Welcome to Jen and Juice. We are two sisters who grew up humbly in the trailer park and in Sunday school, where we weathered the storms of kitchen scissor bangs, purity culture, fundamentalism, culottes, flannel boards, and fellowship hall potlucks. We remain devout to Jesus as we continue to wrestle out our faith with fear and trembling. We hope to provide a safe space to have real, raw conversations about everything and nothing, this and that, the secular and the sacred, you know, the juxtaposition of all things life. We want to use what the Lord has given us. Snark, quick wit, hard-earned wisdom. We promise to show up wobbly on some days, strong on other days. We aim to be a refreshing palate cleanse in a world starving for hope and light. We're like therapy you can afford. Because we're free. So, welcome to Gin and Juice. We're We're here here to help help a sister and brother out. Hey, y'all. Welcome to episode five. So glad to be back, Jenny. Can you believe we've made it to episode five already? No, I can't believe we've actually like kept up with them. <laughs> I know. Everyone keeps saying, so what are y'all going to do next? What's next? And I'm like, what's next is next week's episode. Yeah. What we are striving for right now is consistency, just staying on top of weekly committing to our part of preparing. It sounds good to me. Preparation. <laughs> Preparing. <laughs> Preparing. <laughs> I'm so prepared today, as you can tell. So we just like, it's every week preparing, doing our research and, and putting it together. So if you're asking what we're doing next, we so appreciate how excited you are for what's to come. Mm-hmm. But we're just right now, we are just trying to inch week by week toward consistency because brand new podcasts hit all the time, every week. Mm-hmm. And within like three to five episodes, um, usually the content creators have already fizzed out. Yeah, And Jenny and I are like, no, we are going to be a slow burn. We are just going to keep on, keep on, keep on. And um, we will burn you to death. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's what you meant. <laughs> well, that's what Brad and Jeremy might say. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we, that's what we're going to do right now. We do have dreams and, mm-hmm. and plans and things we are like hoping and exciting and praying around. But for right now, what are we doing weekly? We're doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. So that's in the it. midst of sick kids, which one of those is joining us today. So if you hear any little coughs in the background or sneezes or anything else, our sweet little May May's homesick today. Our, so. our sweet middle list. Mm-hmm. She's poor little so thing. I know. Poor little girl. Um, okay, so I actually received some gentle rebukes Ooh. from our episode last week that I need to address. Okay, bring them. Uh, first of all, first uh, caller was Brad Phillips. <laughs> oh, great. My husband, also one of the sponsors of the show, <laughs> Jay Bradley Salon. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, Brad had to say, I got the story wrong when we were in Santa Fe and the people thought I was a celebrity. It was not. Sandra Bullock, they thought I was Martina McBride. Oh, yes. I forgot because it's been so many years since anybody has said that she's my lookalike or I'm her lookalike. Um, yeah, because she looks like me. Yeah, she do. <laughs> no, she doesn't at all. But um, yeah, Martina McBride. So Brad was like, no. It wasn't Sandy. It was Martina. I thought you were going to say it's because I told him I didn't want to bump uglies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. You all, weirdo audience, loved Jenny's reference to bumping uglies. I didn't realize nobody else says that, I guess. Well, welcome to our 
demented family. We (laughs) say things like that. Okay, so my next gentle rebuke came from my precious friend, uh, Abby, Abigail. She's one of my very dearest friends Mm -hmm. on the planet and like a sister to me. And she says uh, she needed to rebuke us because it wasn't Weezer. Oh. On Steel Magnolias, it wasn't Weeza who said, if you can't say something nice about anybody, come sit by me. Uh-huh. It was Clary. Clary. Oh, it was Clary. you're right. Okay. She's right. And Clary, that was the other one. Clary, yeah. yes. And then Dolly's character was was true V, not true D. Well, see, that goes with my um, inability to hear certain things like song lyrics. Yes. I make things up. Yes. <laughs> and the reason Abby knew this so intimately is because her senior year of high school, she played Malin <gasps> in a one act play. So she knows like 99.9% of the quotes of the whole movie. So Abby, thank you for setting us straight straight and and, and helping us because we don't want to get those things wrong. Those are very important and we appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) So that was the gentle rebuke of the episode. Any other rebukes that you heard? Oh, let me think. Let me think. No, we, we're but, still searching for pictures of Lulu in that uh, fringe leather outfit that we yeah. described. So we're we're trying we are working on that. Yeah, her girls said, um, Brennan Ellie said, she has to have one. Absolutely. I think she's just avoiding finding it. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it's going viral. We're gonna go visit her this summer. Yeah, we're we go, gonna find that gonna Lulu. Find, yeah, we're gonna go through some albums and mm-hmm. find it. So, well, Jenny, tell us, give us a little recap of your weekend. You kind of had a big weekend in the Hill home. We did. Okay, so I've got some. Um, let me think. So this weekend, Malin Middleist had her first sleepover with a non-family member. And remind the listener, how old is Malin? She's nine. And what grade is that? Third grade. Nine and third grade. Mm -hmm. First sleepover with a non-family member. Yes. And it was a birthday party, and she was so excited. Daddy was a nervous wreck, Mm -hmm. but Malin said she was born ready for it. (laughs) (laughs) And I just have to tell you, like, if you're like, oh my gosh, y'all are weird, we probably are, and we're just not super... um, sleepover fans just Mm-mm. especially if you don't know people you just i mean you can't be too safe with your kids That's so right. we're i mean i make no apologies for being overprotective um but knowing the parents of the little girl who she was going to be spending the night at their house the mom was so sweet when i texted her and said hey She'll be at the party, but we're not sure about the the sleepover part yet because she's never spent the night with anybody before other than family. She was so gracious and so kind, and she wasn't a jerk. She just was so sweet about it and was like, absolutely, um, you know, y'all just let us know. It's no big deal if she doesn't want to spend the night or if y'all don't feel comfortable. She was so sweet. So I just appreciate that so much because so many times parents are like, Oh my gosh, you don't let your kid spend the night. Eh, eh, eh. I'm like, oh my God, you let your kid run wild. Okay, I'm judging you too. So booyah, okay? But yep. just kidding. I, I mean, I actually do judge you. Yeah. Um, but lovingly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she was so sweet. And then when we finally did say, yeah, she's going to spend the night, she was like, you know what? If at any moment she wants to call you 
if she doesn't have a phone, we'll just, you know, I'll let her know that she can let me know and we'll call you, text you, whatever. She's like, it's no big deal. Mm -hmm. So even to Malin, she felt so safe and so um, seen and just knew that if she had any qualms about anything that that sweet mama was going to call me. I love that. Yeah, that's such a, it's so hard nowadays, like not like when we were growing up and you just spent the night with people. It wasn't that big a deal. The conversations around sleepovers now are so different. Uh, When Emery sleeps over with a friend, we have conversations with other parents about um, guns in the home. Mm -hmm. You know, where are they? And we're not anti-gun. We are, you know, concealed carry licensed people. And so, uh, but we're just real aware of those things and, and we're real open and we talk about those things with other parents. And these are conversations that I think it's okay to have. Mm-hmm. And then if someone is offended, well, maybe that's not the, the per, you know, the, the family that your child needs to sleep over with. If your values are that different, that yeah. they're offended by your questions because your number one priority is, is to love and protect your kids mm-hmm. and not put them environment in environments where um, some of those values are going to get lost. And so, um, that that was a thing for for us too. Emery was a, a late spend the nighter as well, mm-hmm. and even now, there's just been a couple of friends outside of the family unit that she's been permitted to go spend the night with, and that will remain. And I don't care what you think, anybody listening. <laughs> so we were the family who got shunned one time <laughs> because when Karis was in, let me think. Uh, second grade, maybe Mm -hmm. she had a friend spend the night. Well, for those of you who don't know, our dad did die to suicide and he had to be cremated. So (laughs) we um, took turns with his urn. Mm -hmm. I almost said jar. (laughs) I've got, I've got dad's jar right now. (laughs) So um, when it was my turn to have dad, um, we had, (laughs) we share custody. (laughs) So we're so dark. We're sorry, precious listener who's so cringed right now, but this is who we are. So um, dad was in my laundry room and it was just off of the garage. So whenever you came in through from the garage, you passed through the laundry room and he, we, I had like a shrine of all of his Harley stuff and um, his urn up on the uh, cabinet and all that, you know, and um, Kara's little second grader was so proud. And she goes, look, my grandpa's in that jar. (laughs) And the little girl froze. Her eyes were as big as quarters. And I was like, uh, how about some snacks? Yeah. So, always divert yeah. attention with snacks. She never spent the night again. <laughs> I'm sure. We all knew that's how that ended. Oh, uh, yeah. Her mom never said anything, but she didn't need to. That's right. That's right. <laughs> like, kiss that friendship goodbye, sis. Yeah. yeah. We're too weird for some people. Mm-hmm. It's a good life lesson. <laughs> yeah. So that's an update on Malin. Well, Karis had a little um, update as well. Mm-hmm. She called me panicked because mama my car has a new emoji (laughs) (laughs) i had my volume up on my phone and jessica was there and she looked at me and we both died because sadly we knew exactly what she meant i knew exactly what she meant and i said well baby describe it to me and she was like well must be really excited because there's an exclamation point in the middle of a circle. <laughs> she thought her car was excited. 
like, or take, take the keys away immediately <laughs> or your tire pressure's low which is like oh so that's what that emoji means yeah it's excitedly deflating yes <laughs> so i taught her how to um check her tire pressure Oh. And how to air up a tire. Excellent. Yeah. So are you expecting her to also stay single as Jerry Dawn <laughs> expected a little juice to stay single? I Self-sufficient? Mean, who can know? Who That's can know? right. And then Bubba. Well, Bubba got a pass at school for, she bought a pass. So they earn little, uh, oh. they earn money. Okay. And so she, every Thursday or Friday, they have a, a little market in their classroom. And so she bought a pass to bring a stuffed animal or something. Well, oh. she and a little group of friends have decided to start bringing their baby dolls. Um, oh, no. <laughs> Y'all, oh, no. You do not. This is a horror movie in the making. Oh, no. Well, okay. So Bubba is obsessed with baby dolls. Oh. And she has some, air quotes, realistic baby dolls. Ugh. And some of them are just like realistic demon dolls. <laughs> Creepy. I call one of them ugly baby. Yeah. And it's been a joke. I mean, she's carried this huge baby doll around. Big so baby, she calls it. She calls it big baby. I call it ugly baby. And I've called it that since she was like two. And the other day I said, oh, look, where's ugly baby? And she started crying because <laughs> I was talking about well, her baby. You named her nicely compared to what the boys called her. Oh, she took, uh, you let her take ugly baby to school? No, not ugly baby, because she, it's a huge baby, oh, but yeah. she took another baby to school and. Oh, um, they're all ugly. Yeah. The, the boy, she goes, mama, the boy said, ooh, why'd you bring that baby to school? Its name is butt balls. that and she goes i told my friends just ignore them i was like good for you baby take the high road yeah <laughs> i'm like oh. i'm not sure where they, what that means but they're not far off <laughs> they really aren't second grade boys oh boy that's yeah. a good time oh was well, she gonna bring a different baby to school this week probably i'm right. guessing if she buys another pass i can't wait oh yeah i cannot wait to hear the story yeah so you have some big um, news to share from this past weekend. Yes. Yes, I do. Go ahead. I'll never be jerk. the same. I'm still basking in the afterglow because we got to go see Taylor Swift. <sighs> oh, I'm still in a lavender haze. <laughs> I, I will never get over it for the rest of my life. Okay, what you've got to, whenever you make a reference to her songs or albums, you have to tell us because... I love Taylor Swift, but I'm not like a album one was called this you're or her a, songs. You're not a Swifty. I just am terrible with pop culture. Yeah. So this was her era's tour, which she is just basically, she sings 44 songs over the wow. course of her career. And it's every era. So it's every album, major album, and all of her hits. And it's 44 songs. It's 180 minutes. For those of you bad at math, that is three hours. Dang. And some of y'all posted mean things on the internet that said, uh, I wouldn't pay to see her sing in a shower. Well, you're dumb because <laughs> she's amazing. And she that girl performed for three straight hours. I think her longest costume change was like a full 90 seconds was all. That's that the, the longest she was off the stage was maybe 90 seconds. And 
It was incredible. And she played guitar and she played piano and she sang live. I mean, every song. Wow. It was unbelievable. And if you want to see a showman for this generation, you've got to, you've got to see Taylor Swift. If you can get tickets. If you can get tickets. And and we couldn't because we don't spend European trip money on, you know, concert tickets. Mm -hmm. Like we could have gone to Europe for the cost of the tickets that were given to us. Mm -hmm. But Brad has this incredible, incredible person in his life. And he, uh, they were not using their tickets. They've seen Taylor before and they had some other family stuff going on that weekend. And this man graciously gave us tickets. Wow. We, and I tried, I tried to get tickets last year and I couldn't. And then I was watching the ticket prices and they were just crazy expensive. And I was like, oh, you know, we're, we're the normal family uh, in America. So mm-hmm. it's either like, you're going to go see Taylor Swift in Dallas, or you're going to get to go to like Florida mm-hmm. for vacation. And so like we make choices and, and we couldn't do both. Mm-hmm. And this family gave us these tickets and it was it, literally we cried the whole time and people, I posted pictures and everybody's like, Oh, Brad looks real happy about it. Cause Brad doesn't, he's not wearing this huge smile. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't understand. Brad was so excited and happy and watching Emery and Karis went with us. Um, and watching those girls sing and dance and laugh and just sing with all the people around us and dance, Brad cried. <laughs> so he doesn't, he's not mad in the pictures. He is literally in between tears. He'd wipe his tears and be like, okay, you can take a picture of me. <laughs> and me too. Like it was just magic and incredible. We had so much fun and. I know Karis came home and she just bawled. She's yeah. like, oh, this reality sucks. Oh, it does. <laughs> like, it totally does. It totally does. <laughs> so, yeah, we got to see her. And this is what she did at three nights in Arlington at the at and Is that what it's called? AT&T Center. AT&T Center, where the Cowboys play. And so, um, or is it American Airlines Center? What's it called? AT&T Center, right? I'll Google that. Okay, Google that. And But she sold it out three nights in a row. And so it was record-breaking. It was like over 210,000 people saw her. And I'm just telling you, it was magical. We all dressed. We were very, we, we dressed in the Midnight's era. And so we were very lavender hazy. And so we were all in our purples and pinks. And even Brad, yes, put on a purple shirt. And everybody was raving about Brad wore purple with y'all. And Brad's like, I put on a shirt that you picked out and bought me and told me to wear. And I am getting this much credit. He's like, do men always get credit for doing nothing? And I was like, exactly. I'm like, he's like, y'all have been shopping for your outfits since December. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah, we have down to the earrings and the nail art and everything Mm -hmm. uh, and pedicures and all the things and shoes. And he gets credit for putting on a purple shirt that we bought him. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I was like, well, I married the perfect man for me because he was able to acknowledge that without any promptings. Mm -hmm. So he's um, a great man. He's a great man. AT&T Stadium. AT&T Stadium. Thank you. I get those mixed up. So yeah, it was it was incredible. And to this family who gave us these tickets, I love you so much. I'm so grateful. Like it's such a gift. Um, you gave us an experience that we'll remember literally for the rest of our lives with our, our family. And it was so precious. Karis told me, I want to be rich like that. Oh, I know. She's like, I want to be so giving. Yeah. 
I'm like, well, she is giving now. So yes. like you just give with what you have and that's right. So but it is it is such a, a sweet thing it is a beautiful see, thing yeah. to see the like people with um you know, they've worked so hard and the Lord has blessed them and then they bless others, mm-hmm. you know, out of just the overflow of that. And um yeah, so we we so appreciate that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so getting into today's topic. Yes. Juice. Tell them. Okay, so today's episode is called, He Ain't Here. (laughs) Jenny, why did we choose to name this? First of all, today is Thursday Mm -hmm. before Easter, so it is Holy Week in the Christian calendar. And uh, Thursday would actually be the Passover, is mm-hmm. when the Passover probably would have been observed. And so uh, we, we decided to call this episode, He Ain't Here, mm-hmm. because Jenny had this be- beautiful memory from our, our childhood. Tell us, so, Jenny. Okay. So we lived way north of town growing up. Mm-hmm. And so going to town was a trek. Mm-hmm. There was nothing out where we lived. <clears throat> and so... Coming home from school, driving home, there was a bar, mm-hmm. and it was a biker bar. Yeah, and it was pretty rundown. Mm-hmm. And the the name of the bar was "He Ain't Here." And every time I drove by it, I thought, "Man, if if there was a tr- uh, Bible translation that were written by a West Texan, <laughs> then the Easter." Um, message would be, y'all, he ain't here. That's it. Resurrection <laughs> Sunday, he ain't here. That's what the angel said. <laughs> so that bar inspired me. <laughs> so this episode is named For the Resurrection After a Bar, because yeah. God can redeem anything. 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 Absolutely. Okay, so before we get into the meat of Easter, um, I've got a few fun facts. Ooh. So here we go. Okay. Okay, according to the historychannel.com, um, Easter, okay, I, there are three references that I have here, and we'll link them in the show notes, but um, let's see, it was originally, let me find my notes, because I'm, okay. I'm scrambled here. It's okay. Like we are also <laughs> definitely be checking our um, Instagram and Facebook accounts because we are going to post some epic Easter bunny pictures mm-hmm. from our uh, just out of our albums. So be looking for that. We're trying to pull some good ones of little Jenny and Jessica. Oh yeah, and our little church Easter getups. So be looking for that. Okay, Jenny, did okay. you find your facts? Yeah, here's some fun facts. Okay. So um, it comes from, where do we get the name Easter? Because that's not in the Bible. Right. It's pagan. It's pagan. So it was no, it was named after the Anglo-Saxon goddess Eostra. Eostra. Mm-hmm. It's E-O-S-T-R-E. How would you say that? Uh, I would say Eostra. Eostra. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's where the, the name came from. But why the bunny? What is the deal with the bunny? Well, in um, hairs as they're correctly called. <laughs> I don't know if there's a difference between hares and rabbits hmm. or if they're just synonymous. Fun fact, know. I'll have to check out later. Um, but it's an ancient symbol of fertility and new life. What? Yeah, I didn't know that. 
Oh, well, yeah, like rabbits. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Uh-huh. I've heard that before. <laughs> I've heard it in West Texas slang. Uh-huh. Breeding like rabbits? Uh, yes. Oh, we'll get to that in just oh, a second. Good. And then the egg is an ancient pagan symbol of new life also. Mm. So there's just a little fun fact for you. So Catholic.org told me that the Easter Bunny was first popularized as a symbol for the season by German Protestants. Mm. So the, Ger- the Germans brought it. <laughs> <laughs> Easter is brought to you by the Germans. <laughs> or the bunny. Um, so they were likely the ones to... Um, I have little ears in here, so I have to be careful. Yes. Um, to uh, make the Easter bunny come to America. Yes. Okay. If you catch my drift, listeners. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, in the earliest folklore, bunnies came to judge hiding decorated eggs for well-behaved children. Oh. So those, those Germans were all about judging people. (laughs) (laughs) Rotten eggs for you. That's right. Um, so the Greeks, hey Greeks, um, associated spring and new life with Rabbits breeding habits. Oh, Lord. Of course they did. Greeks were gross. Yeah. Well, they even like likened the Easter bunny to the Virgin Mary because they originally thought that bunnies could have babies without mating. Oh, my gosh. So there there was like a religious tie is what they would say. Yeah. I thought that was strange. Anywho. Okay. So... There are some fun facts about that. Yeah, for all of you who think science is bad, do you now? (laughs) (laughs) It's not the enemy, guys. (laughs) We now know that bunnies don't breed by themselves. Uh, Yeah. Thank Mm, you, science. Thanks for comparing it to the Virgin Mary. Yeah. (laughs) Ew. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to talk about some Easter candy now. What what is your favorite Easter candy? Um, Okay. I, I like a peep on Easter. Okay. We're going to talk about peeps in just a second. Okay. What do you think is the um, best-selling candy holiday in America? Out of all the holidays, which one sells the most candy in America? Valentine's Day. <clears throat> is it Easter? Easter is second. You know the first one. Christmas? Oh, Halloween. Halloween. Duh. <laughs> I forgot about Halloween. <laughs> Duh. Yeah, so Jeez. Halloween is the first um, best-selling candy holiday, and Easter is number two. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so there's a fun fact. And then, according to the National Confectioners Association, Ooh. over 16 billion jelly beans are made in the U.S. each year for Easter. Oh my gosh, a billion with a billion B. with the B. 16 wow. b- b- billion. That's a lot. That's Jelly a lot. beans. I like the ones that have like the flavors that are like, oh, this one tastes like popcorn. Mm-hmm. What are those called? They're fancy. They're gourmet be- jelly beans. Yeah. I like those. Do you like the black ones? The, no, like the licorice? licorice <gasps> no. Remember Disgusting. Grandma Ruby loved black licorice? She also loved cigarettes. I was so. going to say it's because she smoked. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now for some peep. Come on, um, give me some peep. Yes. Okay, so the peeps were founded by a Russian immigrant, Sam Bourne, 
1923. Whoa. And he, they, we, they began selling Peeps in the 1950s. The original Peeps were handmade marshmallow, and they were only the yellow chicks. Mm. So other shapes and uh, colors and flavors, because now they have like cotton candy. Oh, yeah. They have all kinds of colors. Birthday cake. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. Here's some more fun facts. I had a question here for you. Let's see. Um, okay. Here's another fun fact. Do you think Good Friday mm-hmm. is a federal holiday? No. Correct. It's no. a state holiday. Yeah. No. And only 12 states honor it. Yeah. Texas is one of them. Mm-hmm. Hi-ho, Texas. The others are Delaware, Hawaii, Indiana, Tennessee, Florida, Kentucky, Louisiana, New Jersey, North Carolina, and North Dakota. And if we didn't name your state, then you're a devil-worshipping state <laughs> going to hell. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> that took a turn. I'm just joking. Oh, that was awesome. Really, really, I'm kidding. Everybody yes. calm down. Oh, yeah. So it's a state holiday. So for, uh, good Friday. Okay. So back to peeps. Um, how many peeps do you think Americans eat during Easter? A hundred million. 1.5 million. (laughs) (laughs) We're super good at this. (laughs) Math and science. Okay, so let me just keep going with these. How many chocolate bunnies are sold during Easter? Would you guess, Jess? I'm going to say 100 million. 90 million. (gasps) Okay, now I will say my second, I was going to tell you my second favorite candy is a good chocolate bunny. Yeah. Yeah. Do you eat it uh, bunny or the ears first or butt? (laughs) The, the bunny tail? Yeah. I eat the ears first. Okay. So like you're, you're in the top 59% of people who do Weird. that first. Mm-hmm. Okay. One other, or here's two more food facts and then we're done with this. Okay. okay. In the olden days, I don't know when, because goodhousekeeping.com just said olden days. Um, it says the pretzel was associated with Easter because the twists resembled arms crossing in prayer. I never knew that. And for some of you young people, the olden days were not the 1990s. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Shame on you. Okay. So the last um, fact, fun fact is about what do you, okay, let me ask you, what do you think is a number one um, food item, not dessert or candy? Deviled eggs. Well, oh, don't you dare. You better say what you call them. You better say it. I call them deviled. F- <laughs> say it. Deviled fart eggs. <laughs> Every year, Jessica will text a menu because we all get together with my family on Easter Sunday. And she's like, okay, here's the menu. Jenny T. <laughs> Jessica, blah, blah, blah. Mom, deviled fart eggs. Because <laughs> I think they stink so bad. Nobody thinks eggs smell good. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you do, don't tell Your us. smellers broke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Ham. Ham is very popular at Easter, and let me tell you why. Okay. Because the Jews would have had a lamb. It was Passover season, and so they were they they had lamb according to their tradition. But over the years, 
um, lamb has become less popular mainly because of the lower demand for wool. Mm-hmm. So since we have cotton blends and all this, wool has gone down on the list for um, material. Mm-hmm. And so the amount of sheep have oh, declined over the years. Interesting. But ham was huh. a big deal because they cured the ham mm-hmm. over the winter months and they would have been ready around the Easter season. That is perfect. Oh, yeah. I do love ham. I know. Honey glazed ham. Mm-hmm. Mm. Delish. Yeah. Okay. So there's some fun facts about nothing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So for the record, a hundred million peeps are eating a year. Are no. eating today. Yeah. <laughs> In my house. Don't fact check that. That's people. right. That's right. We got it right the first time. Wow. Okay. So America needs to go on a diet mm-hmm. after Easter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most of those were about food and candy. So that's uh-huh. kind of sad. That's what we like to talk about. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I love it. Thanks, Jenny. Mm-hmm. So we are going to segue into talking about what happened during Holy Week. And last week we did an episode called the OTOGs, mm-hmm. um, Old Testament Original Gangsters. And we talked about women in the Old Testament. And um, so I wanted to focus this week in Holy Week also on women because we've just rolled out of Women's History Month. And we won't only focus on on women, but we I do want to talk about uh, the women who followed Jesus's ministry, um, and and so I thought we would kind of break it down by the week, the Holy Week leading the Passion Week leading up to Resurrection Sunday. So Jesus enters on Palm Sunday. He mm-hmm. enters into the city and um, he is greeted with the palm branches. And he rides on a donkey. This is just a lowly state for him, showing that uh, it's it's sort of this um, prophecy fulfilled that that the Messiah was going to come in, not like the king that the Jews wanted. Um, not like the Jews wanted. Uh, they wanted someone to come in and be a political king. That's probably what they were expecting. That's what they expected. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And they didn't want him to come in lowly. They wanted him to come in and break their oppression, mm-hmm. just like Moses rescued the Israelites out of uh, Egyptian slavery. They wanted to come out from under this Greco-Roman rule and 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 be liberated and raised up. And, and so this was, they wanted a political power as mm-hmm. much as they wanted a savior. It wasn't so much they wanted a savior for their souls as what they wanted a savior for them um, economically, socially, politically. Well, because that's what their ancestors had seen. Yes. And had witnessed and had orally passed down. Yes. So they were expecting the same. Yes. They were expecting this King David. King type. David. Yeah. Yes. A king, like a, a this. Royalty, right? Sit on the throne with a golden with power. Crown, with yes. power, yeah. yes. And so, when when Christ enters the city, and it's it's about to be Passover week, and and they're putting the palm branches in front of him, they're acknowledging that they they that they recognize like you're it, mm-hmm. you're the king, you know. And they're saying Hosanna, and it and it's going to take a turn because in less than a week, these very people are going to call for him to be sent to the cross because mm-hmm. he did not meet their expectations. 
And I think we're in that place even in America, you know, even right now, that so many people, even Christians, want um, they they want Jesus to come in, like you know, riding this this, you know, the stallion Mm -hmm. with a sword and just, you know, slice up everybody who doesn't believe like we believe or think like we think or idealize, you know, the things we do. And, and that is not the way of Christ. The Mm -hmm. way of Christ is the cross. And that's what he did then. And that's what he's going to continue to do from now, you know, until he returns and creates a new heaven and a new earth. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he enters in and on Tuesday of Holy Week, he enters the home, um, it is assumed, of Mary and Martha because he is in Bethany. And we know that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus live in Bethany. And Mary and Martha are the ones where Jesus has been at their home before, and Mary sat at, at Jesus' feet, and Jesus welcomed her as as in that position to sit at his feet meant she was a disciple. Mm -hmm. And, and Martha was like, Hey, Jesus, you know, my sister's not helping me. And she was real upset. She wanted Jesus to call Mary out and tell Mary, come serve with Martha. And he just gently rebuked Martha and said, Martha, Martha, like Mary has chosen the thing that will not be taken from her. And he basically invites Martha in that same, into that same position uh, of, sitting at his feet and being his disciple. And so these were his good friends. Um, also, what's just happened in in a few chapters over in the book of John, right before this Holy Week happens, uh, their brother, Mary and Martha's brother, Lazarus, has died. And Jesus shows up and raises Lazarus up from the dead. And so Lazarus is like, ugh, I need to look back in my notes. I want to say he's like, a week raised from the dead, mm-hmm. two weeks raised from the dead. And so people are very, you know, they want to see what's going on. Yeah. They want to see the, the dead guy that was now alive again. And so there's quite a crowd around this home in this time. And uh, when Jesus traveled, he traveled with an entourage. So it is widely held that Mary and and Martha and Lazarus had a big, large house. It may have even been a hospice home mm-hmm. for that region. And, um, and so it was large enough to accommodate Jesus and his posse, wow. all of them, all the men, all the women, all the followers. And so when they sit down to eat, it's, it's a lot of people mm-hmm. in, in this, in this home. And it says that Mary comes and anoints Jesus with oil. Mm-hmm. And this would have been her dowry. Right. This would have been um, her dowry. It says that her hair, her head was uncovered. Mm-hmm. And so at that time, if you were married, you were a married woman, then you would wear your head covered. If you were unwed, um, then your hair was was not covered. And so her hair's not covered, meaning she's single. And so women could not get married without paying to be married. <laughs> like the fact that they, it's basically like, I'm going to pay you the groom to take me on as your dependent the bride had to come with a payment so that the bridegroom would accept her. So the dowry was very important. Mm-hmm. And so this oil that she pours over Jesus, and she is anointing him, 
and she's crying over him. So she's anointing him with her tears and this oil. This oil would have been very expensive. And they, the commentator said it would have equaled like a year's salary. Yeah, because we just think, oh, we'll just call up our next oily friend and order some essential oils from them. Right. I mean, all the things you can get now. Right. And in these times, it was hard to come by. Yes. Very expensive. Yes. I mean, like pressed Whatever was yeah. pressed was, I mean, that's, you pressed it to get the oil. And that's so right. little drops at a time. It wasn't this factory that was just producing all this oil. It that's was right. Very it was hand pressed. Yes. Exactly. Very expensive. Um, and so she pours out this oil over Jesus, which is incredible because in the Old Testament, when a king was anointed, uh, typically uh, the priest or the prophet would pour oil over the king. And it was always a man pouring oil over the king. Mm-hmm. And so here in the New Testament, you have this woman anointing Jesus. Mm. And he is the king of kings and lord of lords. And he is about to be hung on a cross and wear a crown of thorns. And she is anointing him with this priceless oil that is her dowry. And it's just incredible that in just a few short days, all of Jesus' blood is going to be poured out to purchase her mm-hmm. as his bride. He's now the bridegroom, the church, we, the collected people of Christ are the bride. And that Jesus is saying, you don't have to come with payment. I will pay for mm-hmm. you. And just this gorgeous exchange of Jesus coming to turn things right side up. Mm-hmm. And so that happens on Tuesday and it's, it's beautiful. It's very scandalous that he allows her to anoint him. There were skeptics in the room that thought, shame on you. This is, can you imagine me like, see that guy over there? Can you believe he's letting some girl like yes. that's Jesus. Yes. Yes, that's Jesus. You're they, judging Jesus. And they didn't recognize nope. him. They didn't see it. And so that was that was Tuesday of Holy Week. The women are all around. The women are there. They are participating in in this beautiful time together. These last days of Jesus, they're listening to the final words of Christ um, before he goes to the cross. Um and they're they're pouring out everything they have on him. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And they're serving the Christ in this way. And so that's that's what was happening on Tuesday. On Wednesday, scripture is really silent about what happened on Wednesday of Holy Week. Uh, there's really no doubt that Jesus was um, at his friend's home in Bethany that day. Um, he was probably resting, wrestling, praying. We mm-hmm. don't know. We know that Judas was... Um, working up a scheme and uh, Passover would have begun at sundown. The Jewish day and night is different than our day and night. Uh, a Jewish day and night really is night and day mm-hmm. from sundown of one of one day to the sundown of the next day. And that's, that's a, that's a day. And so Passover could have been observed either on Wednesday night or Thursday, depending on how they made preparations. Wow. And so Jesus and his followers observed it on on Thursday, but on Wednesday, definitely some preparations would have probably been been being mm-hmm. made. Um, 
Now, Thursday of Passion Week um, in liturgical churches, you guys call this Maundy Thursday. Which what does liturgical mean? Liturgical. So you have uh, evangelical churches um, that kind of fall within the uh, Baptist, non-denominational realm, um, non-charismatic realm. Then you have mainline churches that are more higher liturgical in the way that they keep the sacraments. And so think uh, Presbyterian churches, think Methodist churches, um, probably Catholic churches kind of fall into, uh, obviously they're more liturgical. And so they're going to uh, observe Holy Week. If you if you have access to... Um, one of these liturgical churches, a Methodist church, the week of, of the Passion, you should go because they usually have um, Stations of the Cross set up. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I, I've enjoyed that because I've grown up evangelical and I still I still love the evangelical church for, you know, for all of its blemish. I, I still love her. Um, but I have really loved observing some of the practices in the liturgical church liturgical churches around uh, these high Christian holidays mm-hmm. because we don't we don't often do this. Um, we don't take time to really reflect um, and in my evangelical background. And so I love going and being part of Holy Week where you're doing stations of the cross and you're really you're really thinking about what was Jesus doing? What were his last steps? What were his last words, his last interactions? And you're really reflecting and contemplating. Um, a lot of people um, in these liturgical churches will, if they haven't been fasting this whole time during Lent, they will fast something this last week, for sure, of Holy Week. And um, and so uh, my family and I have done the Stations of the Cross at um, a Methodist church in our community for the, uh, about the last five years, and it's it's so meaningful. Well, our former church that we still love, yes, they did um, they did the same, a very similar thing, where like the yes. stations. And so the last time we all went together, there was a station for like the bitterness of. <laughs> bitter <laughs> yeah so they yes. give us we walk in and it's pretty somber because yes. you're like you're with your whole family and so you're you there's a thing for you to like read if you don't really know what um this particular station symbolizes or whatever or something to help you guide you for you as a parent to guide your children through like this is what this means right. and so we walk into this one room and they hand us this <laughs> bitter root and so they were like, if you want to taste it, you can taste it. But if not, like this is just a symbol of like the bitterness and the vinegar, even like that they. Yeah. And, and a Seder, a Jewish yes. Seder, which would be kind of like a a tribute to the Passover meal. And so there it's, it's kind of ritualistic and you, you taste the bitter herbs mm-hmm. and it reminds you of, it, it all points back to things in the history of exiting um, Egypt mm-hmm. and when God called them out of Egypt and he took them into, um, the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, yes, the bitter herbs, sorry, that's part of it. Yes. Yeah. So we go in and, um, Brad is standing in the corner because it's pretty full. Or this little station happens to be pretty full at the time. And so we sit down. Brad, and- who does not even eat mustard. He has the palate of a four-year-old. So he's standing behind us and we, I, we just happen to look over our shoulder, like to make sure that the whole family got in. Brad goes for it and chomps down <laughs> on the bitter root. And the look on his 
face. You're supposed to basically like kind of put it in your mouth, like and like like uh, you know, not like chew it. Yeah, he was chewing it like a cow with his cud. Yes, and he had it, it between was- his teeth. Yes, <laughs> the look on his face was atrocious. He was like, well, I didn't know we were supposed to like chew it. Oh my gosh, we left. He's like, oh, my stomach hurts. <laughs> like the bitter root got you. <laughs> Oh man, that was funny. That was funny. Yes. Um, so, um, so on Thursday, I, again back to the, the liturgical church, um, Thursday of Passion Week, they call it Monday Thursday, which means Commandment Thursday, because Jesus gathers with his followers for um, for the Passover meal. We call that the Last Supper, mm-hmm. and this is the first time that we really see the Lord's Supper, mm-hmm. um, as in Jesus hands them the the goblet of wine, and that represents his blood. And he gives them the broken bread, and he says, this is my body. You're like, you're going to drink, and you're going to eat of this, and this is how like you are going to be one with me, and, and show the world that you are one with me. And so... Um, that happened on Thursday. And that was kind of, that was the new command is, is now you're going to do these things to remember Mm me. And so, and that's one of the sacraments that Jessica was talking about is like the Lord's supper is a sacrament communion. Yes. 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 Or Eucharist. Yes. Eucharist. Yes. Um, so you can do that and you don't have to be in a, in a church to do that during, (laughs) I remember during COVID, one of the most meaningful times for our family was during this, this Holy week. And we were at home, everybody was, and we observed communion together as a family in our living room. And we just took, I think we took grape juice and, um, crackers or bread or something. And we just, when we read, um, those words out of the new Testament and you can look them up, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Um, and, and you can find the passages toward the end of those books. We can link those mm-hmm. up, but, um, and you can read that and observe that as a family, as a single person with friends. Um, I remember the first time that, um, Jeremy Karras and I were going to be able to observe, um, first communion, first communion, uh, communion together for the first time as a family, yes. because in our faith, you don't take communion unless you are a believer, mm-hmm. unless you have been saved or yes. asked Jesus into your heart as your personal savior and Lord. And so, um, Karis had just gotten saved and it was in our church used to do it, um, once a month and it was a very special time and I was so excited. And as soon as, um, I think it was Patrick, our, the the lead pastor, was talking about the the blood. Karis looks up at me with her huge brown eyes and goes, I'm not drinking that blood. <laughs> and she was out. No way, no how. You were not going to make her drink the blood. So that is what was happening on Thursday. And um, and throughout all of this, you see the women. The women are constantly in the background of all this. They are supporting the ministry of Christ. I mean, actually, financially supporting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he had all these women that were traveling and helping make preparations. And as we saw from Mary sitting at his feet as a disciple, um, Mary Magdalene following constantly as a, as a steady disciple around Christ that whole time. Um, 
and and the women are there. Mm-hmm. The women are there. What what can women do now, Jenny? Well, what did the women do then? Right. They were with Christ. That's what you could do now, women. You can be with Jesus. You can sit at his feet. You can partake in the Lord's Supper with him. You can come to the cross with him. Um, you can see him resurrected. Like you get to walk with him, mm-hmm. just like they did. And so um, on Friday, Jesus is crucified after uh, an unlawful trial that was held at night with not all of the correct judges in place. There were supposed to be like 23 judges there. There weren't. I mean, the whole thing was a mock trial, Mm -hmm. grotesque from start to finish. And um, it was just all a, just a political, really. It was uh, corrupt. It was just corruption, just through and through. And so uh, Friday leads to... um, his crucifixion and scripture tells us that all of the disciples uh, abandoned and deserted Jesus. Matthew 26, 56 says that all of the disciples left him and fled and uh, everyone in in that regard betrayed Mm -hmm. Jesus. Again, we always think Judas, just Judas, but no, it was everyone betrayed, um, betrayed Christ and uh, and everyone denied everyone betrayed it says that even one of them uh, like the guards when they came to arrest Christ they grabbed one of his followers and he was wearing like this kind of cloak thing and and they were wrestling with him sort of and he, somehow he finagled his way out of it mm-hmm. and left his his robe in their hand and he ran away naked scripture says first streaker first <laughs> He made the Bible. <laughs> oh my gosh. He literally ran butt naked. Mm-hmm. And that's the level that they did because they did not want to get arrested because mm-hmm. they didn't want to be crucified with him. Yeah. And so they all ran and left. And that the only male disciple that was actually near or at the cross was John. Mm-hmm. And all of the other followers that were at the cross were the women. Mm-hmm. They were the only ones that followed uh, Christ to the, to the cross. And after he died and he was laid in the grave on, on Friday, um, which would have happened around 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and even back then that was kind of the start of the evening, right. you know, as the sun was about to start setting. And so he was laid in the grave and Saturday would have been their Sabbath. So they could not work. They could not ceremonially clean and anoint his body with oil. Mm-hmm. But you know, on Tuesday he had been anointed with oil, mm-hmm. right? So that was already a prophecy of because you anointed the bodies with oil so they did not begin to to smell uh, from the decay mm-hmm. and he had already been anointed and it was a double entendre because he was anointed for for death but he was also anointed as king mm-hmm. in that and so we see the spiritual significance of all of that and that God chose a woman it wasn't just a woman got picked because she was the consolation prize ladies God chooses women. Mm-hmm. He chose them. He chose them then, and he chooses you now. Yeah. You're not a last resort. Right. You're a first choice. And so um, I wanted to tell you some of the women who ended up coming to the tomb. So on Saturday, the Sabbath, 
he's in the grave and, and nobody can really work. They can't do anything. And so they just all go and they grieve. The disciples run and hide. I mean, literally, they all gather and they hide together in a locked room mm-hmm. because they are afraid uh, that these Roman officials are going to come arrest them next. Because they were looking for people who were following Jesus. That's right. They were looking for them. They so. were looking for the rebels. And so so the, the male disciples are huddled together hiding. And on Sunday, um, early in the morning, just after dawn, which makes breaks the Sabbath, so Sabbath is over, and now we can return to work, the women go to the tomb. And so it says that, I just want to tell you some of the names of the women who were at the tomb. So Mary, mother of Jesus. Mm. I mean, from before the conception, to the cradle, to the life and the raising of this child, to the cross, to the tomb. His mom was always there, you know. And there's a couple times in Scripture when it says that Mary would just stored things up in her heart. And as a mom, you know exactly what that means without us having to even unpack that. Because yeah. we look at our kids and we recognize significant things happening around them, in them, about them. And you store it up in your heart. Mm-hmm. You just know it in the spirit realm. And there's no words for it. There's not. It's not at all. And so Mary, mother of Jesus, is at the tomb. Mary Magdalene, of course, mm-hmm. is at, at the tomb. And why is she special? Well, she is special because Jesus cast seven demons mm-hmm. out of her, and she began following him. His whole ministry, she's there. Yeah, I mean, she's a disciple, y'all. <laughs> she is with Jesus. Mary Magdalene is there every step of the way. Mm-hmm. And, and she is there at the tomb. You can find it in Mark 16. John 20 and Luke 24 in all those accounts um, it, it shows her at the tomb um, and we'll circle back to her Mary the mother of James and um, a, another man named sometimes he's called Joseph sometimes he called um, I'm gonna mess this up um, oh let me try <laughs> J-O-S-E-S Josis Josis um Jose's. Jose's. <laughs> We're from the South. <laughs> Jose We're plural. Text mix. Um, <laughs> Jose's plural. Yes. Uh, so this uh, everybody was Mary. By the way, Mary was the number one female name mm-hmm. uh, among women at that time. So everybody was Mary, mother of or wife of to, right. to, to di- differentiate. Another Mary was also there, Mary, the wife of Clopas. Now it's held that Clopas was the brother of Joseph, which would make this Mary and Clopas the aunt and uncle to Jesus. Wow. And uh, John 1925 calls Clopas um, Mary's sister, or, yeah, calls Mary, the wife of Clopas, she calls her Mary, Jesus's mother's sister, but that would also be translated as sister-in-law. Right. So Mary, mother of Jesus, and Mary, wife of Clopas, sisters-in-law. Right. Uh, 
And then another woman named Salome, who was the mother of James and John, the sons of thunder. Mm -hmm. They were the ones when uh, people made them mad and drove them out of the city. They were like, Jesus, do you want us to call thunder and lightning down from heaven? And Jesus (laughs) playfully, I think he playfully started calling Uh them the sons of thunder. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he's like, no, we're not going to burn them alive, people. Slow your roll. Slow your roll. (laughs) They were also the, the sons of Zebedee. In Matthew 27, 56, you see that their mother, Salome, uh, was also there. So you have all these women at the cross and um, and then at the tomb, mm-hmm. right? So they are going in search of his body because they want to uh, make it ceremonially, you know, clean it for burial, prepare it for burial. Um, what is so significant, Jenny said, what's the significance of Mary Magdalene? Well, the significance is, is that uh, Mary Magdalene is who Jesus first showed his resurrected self to. Mm-hmm. The first person he chose was female. Mm-hmm. So the women show up, the tomb, the, the stone is rolled away, the tomb is empty, and an angel appears, scares the bejesus out of them. <laughs> Can I say that? I don't know. You just did. I did. Um, scares them to death, and uh, not literal death. And and but but it's it's Mary Magdalene that Jesus first reveals Himself to in His resurrected form. And at first, when she first sees him, she thinks he's she thinks he's like a gardener mm-hmm. or something. She's not recognizing, and and then he says to her the pivotal word that makes her realize who it is. He says, Mary. And it says, and she recognized his voice. Yes. She knew her name coming out of his mouth. And I think that is that picture of Elroy from the Old Testament, the God who sees me, that knows me. And he, when we when we know him like that, we know the sound of his voice. Mm-hmm. We know the sound of our name coming out of his voice. Yeah. We know when he is calling on us and to us. And all he said was Mary. And she knew that it was her Jesus. And he says, go and tell the disciples. And he gives them instruction. He gives her instructions. And, and I just think it's so beautiful because... The women stayed. Mm-hmm. The women remained until the end. The women returned to make his body ready for the burial. And the women witnessed and became witnesses of the resurrected Christ. And that was significant because women were not allowed to be witnesses. Right. Uh, Jewish law and Roman law both invalidated women and their testimonies. They were not lawful in any kind of court trials, anything. Women were not to be allowed to be witnesses Um, they weren't even considered reliable right they did not the romans and the jews did not consider a woman stable enough to give a truthful testimony Mm -hmm. and and jesus again coming to turn things right side up says mary go be my witness Mm -hmm. and he validates her identity in him and her authority to spread the message of Christ to her brothers mm-hmm. and on a Sunday, ev- on a Sunday to everybody, everybody. Mm-hmm. So I guess she wasn't evangelical. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
sorry. Uh, one of my favorite accounts in uh, Matthew 28 says like the women go to prepare his body early in the morning and um, the guards were there and it said the guards after like the, they saw this angel or this man or, you know, yeah. it said they became like the dead. So they yes. fainted. Yes. They were so scared. They fainted. Yeah. But guess who didn't? The women. The women. <laughs> the women. So then the angel tells them. He ain't here. He is risen. That's right. He ain't here. <laughs> I love that. I was I like, oh, there they go. <laughs> yep. Yep. I love it. Yep. So good. Well, Jenny, do you have any extras from the... I just love that the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all have an account of all of these things. Mm-hmm. And it's to a different degree because they have different personalities, obviously. They saw different things. Um, so Matthew 28 is the, he ain't here reference. Um, and then this goes right into the great commission that, that Jesus speaks to all of his disciples, male and female. Um, and then in Mark 16, again, verse six, which I think is so funny because Matthew, Mark and Luke all have it in verse six of that last chapter that he ain't here. He ain't here. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. All three of them. And, um, then in Mark, it talks about the women were walking towards the tomb and they were worried mm-hmm. about how they were going to roll the stone away because it was this huge stone that would have been put in front of the tomb. And they were worried about it. They were talking about like, oh my gosh, when we get there, how is it even going to happen? How are we going to get to his body? They show up and it's already rolled away. And so then the angel tells them, he ain't here. And then in Luke, um, the women had prepared the night before the spices to go anoint his body. Yes. So there was all this preparation, like each one accounts the women doing something a little bit differently, but it's all about, yes, they were there at the tomb and they were told he ain't here. He's risen. And they got to go tell the others. Yeah. And so, and then of course in John, that account. So I love it. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Um, in Luke, it says that, oh, excuse me, in Matthew 28, it says that the disciples, when, when the women get to the disciples and tell them that we saw Christ and he's, you know, he's risen and all this, they did not believe the women. Yeah. It says they did not believe the women. And, and then in, in one account, uh, Peter takes off running. Peter, who's denied Christ three times. Isn't that in John when Peter, John says, Peter and the one God loved. Yes. Referencing himself. I'm like, well played, John. John always in the book of John, he always references himself, the one Jesus loved. Yeah. The beloved disciple. The one, <laughs> the beloved of Christ. Uh yeah, he says they both take off running and the one Jesus loved, like outran Peter. Yeah, got there first. Yes, got there first. So yeah, they're even competing for who's gonna get to the tomb first. And I just want to say, hey guys, it was the ladies. They did. <laughs> <laughs> the women are just standing back rolling their eyes yeah. boys um but yeah they they took off running and so which i think is such a gorgeous picture because peter had he had betrayed and mm-hmm. denied jesus three times verbally mm-hmm. publicly denied jesus and so when he's hiding there's also a level of shame around oh, yeah. that uh for betraying and denying his christ and he takes off running, mm-hmm. you know, running toward um, the redemption. Yeah. So I, I love that whole beautiful picture. I love the whole body of Christ in all of that. I love the humanity 
of female disciples, the male disciples, women were just like, okay, well, somebody died. Well, we got to make casseroles and uh, get the spices ready to get their, you know, we're making funeral arrangements and the men are sitting somewhere, not talking and scared and hiding. And we've gone through enough grief um, that there's, there's a little bit of stereotype that's true about Mm. that, about the way that men, again, this is a very, very general broad sweep here. Okay. I know you don't all fall into this, but our experience has very much been the men are in a room not talking, mm-hmm. not not dealing. It it it's it's later. It's delayed. It's um, it looks different <laughs> than, yeah. than women who we're going to be busy and we're going to emote and we're going to you know we're, it just looks different. And I'm like, oh, it looks like that in that in that first century look at, at you know at these first followers. Yeah, doesn't it? Um, and I wonder in that room like. Were they scheming like, okay, y'all go here, you go here, you know, we've got to disperse because they're going to be looking for us. Right. Well, Jesus said this. Well, Jesus said this. Well, Jesus said this. And, you know, like all these different personalities and they had walked with Jesus. They had heard his teachings. They knew what he told them. Right. And yet he wasn't alive. Like, okay, he said this, but what does it really mean? We've never seen this before thing. We saw Lazarus come back to life, but like, well, and it says that they didn't even remember that he Mm. had predicted his resurrection until after. Then it says, then they remembered that he had said he would rise on the third day, and so the shock and the and the their knowledge it was like the scales had to fall in God's timing. Like they could only even comprehend tiny, tiny bits of the truth. And it was the Lord's timing to reveal those things to them. And that's true, just like in our trauma of yes. of learning, you know, traumatic news. Like you yes. don't remember certain things and then things start, oh, yeah, that did happen. Oh, yeah, they did say that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy how that does happen. It does. It so really no does. fault to these guys. because no. We're talking about the savior of the freaking world. Yes. And having walked with him and then he's gone. And so, I mean, I say like, how could you forget that? But at the same time. We've yeah. lived experiences where, oh yeah, it's it's crazy to think the things you forget. It is crazy to yeah, in the middle of all of that trauma and grief and shock. Oh yeah, oh my gosh, it's so hard to even think any thoughts. Together. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you forget to eat. <laughs> you do. You forget to eat, and so yeah. Um, yeah. So well, thank you for leading us through the Holy Week. That oh, kind of well, we hope that sums up. For you all, if if you were kind of like, why is it called this, and why is this day this, and we hope that kind of um, shed some light for oh. for you, or if you know the story backwards and forwards, maybe you heard something that um, spoke to us in a way that you had never thought about before. So yeah. thank you for leading us through that, Jess. Oh, you're welcome. I'm, I feel like I did, I, I kind of botched it. Whatever. And uh, I studied for so many hours, and I just kind of feel like my thoughts did not flow real smoothly today and so i just hope and pray that the holy spirit just kind of covers all that and smooths it out and also that you never take our word for any of this that you look it up in scripture that's why we give you the scriptural references so you can read it for yourself Mm -hmm. um and then you can dig this out and see how the holy spirit teaches your heart through through these snapshots of these very relatable humans who are all around um the supernatural Christ. Yeah. So love it.
Okay, so now we're going to move into the segment, things that make you go, hmm. And Jess, we kind of talked about um, making this segment today more about what we're taking away from the cross, like a, an overall idea, or um, what are you taking away from, from the cross? Well, the, the thought that I just can't quit running through my mind is the fact that Jesus knew the betrayer was sitting at his table at the Passover meal, and Jesus invited him anyway. He washed his feet, and he passed him the cup, and he passed him the bread anyway. Any way you look at it, God steps into our mess. I grew up thinking my sins separated God from me, but it's really the other way around, and my sin separates me from God. In my sin, God invites me to sit while he puts a towel over his shoulder and he puts his nail-scarred hands into a basin of water to wash my filthy feet. And then he seats me at his banqueting table and he invites me to drink deeply and to eat fully of him. He invites me to return to him, just like he invited Peter to return. And he reinstates me And he reinstates you just like he reinstated Peter. And I believe um, that if Judas hadn't died from his own guilt and shame, if Judas had run and returned to the tomb to look for Christ, I believe the invitation to return would have been granted to Judas as well. Mm -hmm. I think Jesus would have raised those nail-scarred hands and said, look and see. And if Judas had allowed him, I think Jesus would have embraced him, Mm -hmm. you know, because the invitation isn't based on how good we are or how we can clean it up and dress it up for Easter Sunday or any Sunday. The invitation is written in the permanent ink of our Savior's blood. And he stands at the door of our hearts and he stands securely on nail scarred feet and he knocks on the door of our hearts and he waits for us to let him in. We do not have to waste one minute cleaning house. By the way, we can't because it is a meaningless task. Mm -hmm. We just have to open the door and let him into the mess because only he can wash it anew. Only he can make us white as snow. And only he can love us back to life and reinstate us into purpose and calling. And so my takeaway is this. I have met that Christ. I meet him daily. The work of salvation, though it's a once, one-time thing where you call on him, and it is secure once you call on him, but it is a daily sanctifying of knowing him, of letting go of things that have a foothold in us or a grip on our lives, sin that just entangles us and separates us from him because it's our guilt Mm -hmm. oftentimes that makes us feel like he's far away and he's quiet because we're actually the ones turning our back and running away and shutting down from him. He is always there with those nail-scarred hands wide open, He is always watching. He is always waiting. And so my invitation to you, all our listeners, is if you've never asked Christ to come into your life, what are you waiting for? Mm -hmm. 
It is a simple request. It is something simple. We we call talking to God prayer, and it can be just as simple as saying, Jesus, I've heard about you, and I believe the things I'm hearing, and I want to know more of you. And I admit that I am a sinner, and I confess that I need a Savior, and I'm calling on you, Jesus, and I'm asking you to come into my life to be my Savior. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to follow you. Help me to understand your word. And please lead me to a faith community, your church, where I can grow among other believers. Lord, thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And with those words, they are no magic words. Mm -hmm. It is just your confession that you're a sinner in need of a Savior and that you want all of Him. That's it. That's all you have to do. And once you're saved, you're always saved. Now, for the believer who feels far from God, you know what? You can rededicate your life right now. You, you can just pray and say, Lord, I just want to, I just want to confess, you know, I've been far from you and I want to run back and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've missed out on you and it's done. Um, and I want to encourage you that if you've prayed that prayer and you've asked Christ to be saved, first of all, congratulations and welcome. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the family of God. You want to tell somebody reach out to Jenny or to myself and send us a message. We would love to walk with you and help you get on, um, on your journey with the Lord. Um, you're going to want to follow him in baptism. Jesus said, this is how you're going to show that you've buried the old life and you're walking in a new life in Christ. And it's kind of like a new birth. And so we go into the water and we come out new, Mm -hmm. uh, just as a symbol, the water does not save us. It is symbolic. And so, um, but again, we would love to talk with you about any of that, any questions that you have, but that that's my invitation is, um, church girl or bar hopper. Guess what? We're all Judas. We're all Peter. Mm -hmm. We're all Mary Magdalene. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We have the potential to be, um, we can be faithful. We can be faithless. Uh, it doesn't matter because he remains faithful and his invitation to us is always open. So just return and keep returning. Love it. Jenny, what are your things that make you go, hmm, about this Resurrection Sunday? Mine is that Jesus always meets us where we're at. So he was there in the grief with the ladies crying at the tomb, mm. looking for his body. They didn't know where he was. Somebody stole him, they thought. They were grieving, and he was there. Um, He was there in the fear with the disciples locked in the room, um, fearing for their life, fearing for what's next, fearing for the unknown, or because of the unknown, he was there. He met them there. He was there in the interim. In Luke, it talks about two disciples walking to Emmaus, and it says it took seven, uh, seven miles to get from where they were to Emmaus. And the whole time Jesus shows up, unbeknownst to them, because he disguised himself, not in like a quote-unquote Jesus mess around kind of way, but like, <laughs> I'm not going to reveal myself to you, which I kind of want to know why. Like, that, why, why was that his tactic? I'm going to yeah. ask him that when I get to heaven. Um, I have my thoughts, but I'll save those for later. Um, so in that long road, th- it was the interim. It was like, well, I mean, I, I remember he said this and this and this, and Jesus did this, this, and this. So now what? Now what? Now what? And so he's there in the interim when you're asking all those questions. He was there when life had to go on. And John, it talks about the fishermen had to go make money and feed their family. I mean, they didn't say that, but I mean, the logistics of it, they were working men and they had families and they had people to feed and a following still and and other disciples. And so they had to go about their normal lives after their, their friend had just been 
murdered on a cross and put in a tomb. And now what? Like life looked different the very next day. And Jesus was there. He showed up. He was there in the doubt with Thomas. Thomas didn't believe that it was Jesus. So Jesus was there. Um, Miss Piggy cry voice. Kermie! (laughs) Full on. And he was there in the confusion. Yeah. Because he said he would rise. But they thought he didn't. That he had just disappeared. And sometimes it feels like Jesus is so far away. Yeah. But he's not. But it is confusing. And, And God is not the author of confusion. But sometimes in our own mind we get mixed up in our own knowledge even. Our own feelings. We get lost in our feels. And it feels confusing. And Jesus is even there. So, and he was there to reinstate Peter, who had denied him three times. So, he's, he meets us where we're at. And he's always big enough to handle the grief, the fear, the mundane, dismissal, doubt and disbelief and confusion. He chases us, he waits, and he meets us where we're at. I love that, Jenny. I love, too, that when the disciples were huddled behind a locked door and they're hiding out and they're they're literally crippled, paralyzed in fear. And when Jesus appears to them, he goes to them mm-hmm. and appears in the room. Yeah. And the first thing he says is, peace be with you. Yeah. Which was very much like just a customary... Um, greeting of the day Mm -hmm. but there's such it's so packed with all these layers of meaning because he is saying have peace Mm -hmm. and then he is the peace and he's saying i am with you i am your peace and i am going with you everywhere no locked door can protect you and insulate you like my peace can yeah and so i think that is so huge that in the middle of heartache and questions or the mundane or the depression or the anxiety or the whatever. He can be our peace in the middle of it. And we don't even recognize that he's in our midst and he's right there. Just like the people on the walk to Emmaus, they didn't recognize that Jesus was with them. Mary Magdalene. Yeah. Thought he was a gardener. Yeah. Thought he was a gardener. And there Jesus is with them and they didn't even recognize him. Mm-hmm. He met them where they were at. That's it. And he, he will meet you where you're at. So, uh, we pray for all of you pray that you have a blessed, wonderful Easter mm-hmm. Sunday and we love you. Happy Easter. We love you. Happy Easter. That's a wrap for this episode. Thank you for sharing your time with us. You can follow us on Instagram at jenandjuice.ig and on Facebook at jenandjuice. And I'm Jenny. You can follow me on Instagram at jennyhill.ig. That's Jenny with the J and an I. And I'm Juice, a.k.a. Jessica. You can follow me on Instagram at jessicaphillips.ig. We can't wait to meet you here again next week as we continue these conversations where, as always, we're here to help a sister and brother out. Yo!